and welcome to No Stupid Answers, Episode 2, the show where a doctor of philosophy, a recovering archaeologist, a professional engineer, and a corporate millennial provide in-depth answers to Reddit's best questions. I'm Colton Wallace with a team of superstars today. Joining me is Lori Asava. Hey, hey! Josh Lieto. Hey, guys. And Jessica Uzarians. Hi there. Hey, Jessica. Hey, Colton. I got a question for you. Oh, cool. So this question comes in on Reddit from BlueChicken777. And the question is, is it okay for me to still be living at my mom's as a 25-year-old male? And uh, there's a long kind of paragraph here along with the question. So we've kind of summarized it up here. So he pays rent to cover expenses for the house. He does handyman work around the house. Um, He gets along with his mom. But he, he would like a little more privacy sometimes. Um, and in reality, the cost of rent is ridiculous. And with all the other expenses like student loans, he can't justify moving out. So he said he knows there's a stigma around living at home. But is it ec- worth the extra rent to move into his own place? Yeah. So I think absolutely not. I think that what um, the user described is like the ideal situation um, for you know, a young person trying to gain their footing in the world. Like he is in a position where everything's pretty cool at home, gets along with his mom, Mm -hmm. just the two of them. So like, it doesn't seem like there's any conflict, um, which is nice. And it's kind of like a good place to be. Well, you can start to build um, a savings and like work towards the next step. And, you know, like he did mention that there's like a stigma in, you know, like young men i guess living at home with their mom like i guess we've all like heard like right the the um yeah like you watch the 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 movie and like she's like oh but he lives with his mom yeah in the basement yeah, yeah. like yeah screw that guy right like definitely don't want to well, go don't, on a date with don't him, screw right? that guy i think is <laughs> yeah yeah so i think that's dumb though and i think that like things have changed like the economy is like rough for people that are starting out especially if you have student loans so i think that like if you have an opportunity to build wealth like in this situation why not do that like and as for like that stigma i just think that it should it needs to be dissolved really our culture should strive to remove these types of stigmas um and not pressure people to take unnecessary steps um uh just for the sake of it it sounds like why would you do that um so i think it's a no-brainer i think you should stay there until you're ready to move until like maybe you meet somebody and you're ready to move in with them or like or maybe you want to buy a house like that is something that is like a worthy reason to like move out and like that's different than just being like okay well there's a stigma so i should do this it's like you're taking control and like of your life and your future and making a positive change like i think that should be the reason that um the user moves out of his mom's house not just because there's stigma about it um and that's that's i I guess my two cents yeah i think once you like 25 like at some point you get to the point where you kind of want to have your own place and i totally understand that i guess when i'm looking at it the uh he brings up the cost of getting an, like an apartment or a separate place for himself. So I think just that alone would stop me probably in that situation. Mm-hmm. I, I lived at home with my mom for, I don't know, uh, 10 months after college. And then I would have lived there a while longer, but I actually had to move for a job. Otherwise, I would have mm-hmm. kept doing it because of expenses. I was in nearly the same situation. Yeah. Yeah, I had to move back home when I was 30. So I'm aging myself a little bit um, after living with my own apartment and my own stuff and my own life for like eight years or so. And then I, you know, like needed a life change, had a bad breakup and I needed to like a safe place to be. So I actually like moved home like close to um, I think I was 29 going on 30. I was almost 30. And it hurt. It felt like I felt that stigma. I felt like such a loser, like coming back home. And um, but really, honestly, it was what I needed to do. It gave me this soft place to land so I could get my life together and like take my life in a new direction and like um, do what was best for me. And it kind of hurt my pride a little bit. But like, I wish it didn't because like 
like I said, that was the best choice that I could have made. And if I had like just made that choice even a little sooner, I probably would have been better off. But like in my position, it was difficult for me to choose that because I was like, no way, I'm not going back home. But like, there's really like no reason not to if it's like a safe place, if it's like a a situation that it's really just like, you know, um, beneficial in the long run. Like, yeah you know, like why, why not? Even, even when I was coming out of college and I went and lived at home for like a year, um, I also kind of felt a little bad about it at first. I was like, man, I got to move back home. Like I thought I was supposed to be, you know, making all the money now. And, but at the time it just, that was not the situation. So, but I I I kind of felt that a little bit. Set our, our sights on a, perfect path of oh i'm gonna be mm-hmm. i'm gonna move right out and i'm gonna make all the money and i'm gonna have all my own things and honestly it's a great privilege to be able to go back to your parents house i think like if you have that ability like leverage it use it be able to figure out what you want to do where you want to go and and be able to take more calculated risks that's a really awesome benefit to have um and i think that together we all have to be a little nicer to each other i mean i i live in san francisco it's freaking expensive for rent you'll you'll see that Mm -hmm. everywhere but it's reality um we choose to live in a teeny tiny apartment but i also choose to be out here where my family is back home i don't really have the ability to uh be back home and and just kind of move back in with my parents. I mean, if if I needed to, they would totally welcome me. Um, but I want to be out on the West Coast. I made that choice. However, if if I ever needed to, it's a nice benefit to be able to have that safety net to go back um, and just kind of screw the rest. I feel like you're going to be able to make way more money. <laughs> I mean, over the t- yeah. course of time, because you're saving so much. And I think that also is a really great benefit. Totally. 100% agree. Josh, what's your thoughts on this one? Well, I have some pretty strong opinions about this. So number one, <laughs> I think that the user should do whatever he wants. I think that at the same time, what I can tell from the user's uh, questions and thoughts that he's uh, submitted, I can see that he's a really smart and intelligent person. And uh, so in the end of the day, he'll make the decision that uh, is the right decision for him to make. And I finally think that if what he's getting at home is more valuable than what it costs to leave, maybe find ways to incorporate like the things he's doing at home. Like, so he says he's like a handyman. The reality is like those kind of skills are really, really uh, valuable. You know, like we don't need more like cultural critics. Like we need like electricians and plumbers and like people who can Mm -hmm. like build shit and like fix things. And like, if he's just doing that stuff for free around his mom's house, he can probably get, paid pretty well to do it for some other people and i just think that like he should never underestimate like the strength of like his own ability to like you know incorporate these different aspects uh into his work and life so i think that at the end of the day whatever decision the user makes will be the right one and that's what i think about that I think that's a great point, Josh. I also would say if you can get along with your parents that long, go for it. I don't. Which I, I cannot. I no way. <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm so, I'm going crazy. There's no way I can live with my parents ever again. Yeah, I would agree with that. Oh, I love man. them, but like, absolutely oh not. Gosh. I would not pull Lori's my hair parents out. either. <laughs> yeah, you do what you love have to. You, though, mom, you know? Love you, mom. Love you, dad. Thank you for everything. Yeah. I just could not live with them. Yep. So, but I feel like this is also becoming a lot more common for people in their 20s to be living at home. Mm -hmm. Like, I I feel like that's not uncommon at all. So I don't think he's alone in this. I think this is super common, especially now. Oh, definitely. My little brother still lives at home. He's, uh, his birthday's today, actually. He's 28. 
and he's got the life. He lives in a loft above our garage. He like comes and goes when he pleases. He gets a good meal every now and again from my dad. Well, you know, that's a bit of a different situation, right? I mean, he's got his own space there. He's got like his whole own kind of. He almost yeah, has. I mean, his he own, can like, basically section. be. He can basically be isolated, but he lives up in like a a little. That's true. Like a room above a garage, so it kind of sucks too. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that's just that's just kind of mean to Blue Chicken Seven Seven Seven. Like, what if I bet he would love to have you know? Well, he might nice have it. Loft. We don't know. I don't mean to be oh. judgmental about loss. I'm just saying I've been up there. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, he doesn't have a kitchen up there. He doesn't have like uh, full plumbing. Well, I mean, we don't got to put it. We don't got to put him on blast in this podcast. <laughs> but, like, it's, you know, it's like it's a great situation for him. That's dope. You know. <laughs> I do think actually a lot of people when they are building houses or finding houses, like a little carriage house or a like little kitchenette, like people are trying to like add more space to their houses. And I think also that's leading to a lot more Airbnb rentals too. So that's a whole Mm. nother thing. But when he does Mm. move out, if he is in a cool little apartment, the kitchenette thing down in the basement, his mom might be able to rent that out to other people, but that's a very privileged um, approach to house building, mm-hmm. I guess. What's a carriage house? Oh, I learned this in Detroit. Uh, they're just like houses tend to have like a little, I don't know, it's like a a pool house, but there's no pool. <laughs> there's It used to be for <laughs> the people taking care of the like horses mm-hmm. and the things in the carriages. So they'd stay oh, okay. there. So it's a detached, oh, okay. like, little room, little house thing. I think we stayed in the carriage house of that creepy castle oh, in Kalamazoo. Right. Yeah. Like, they had, like, you could stay in this. Okay, was, I'm I'm sure it's a haunted castle. This is kind of a, a tangent. But anyways, I think the carriage house is where we stayed, Colton, mm-hmm. when it was just, like, I mean, it was still creepy, but. It was creepy. I know. Anyways, don't stay in a castle. <laughs> Well, I think also it's just really important to call out how privileged it is to be able to have these types of safety nets. Like not everybody has a house to go home to and not everybody yeah. has the ability to lean on their parents. They might not have those financial ability to keep you in your house. So I think it's also really dependent on communication with your mom and like mm-hmm. making sure that she can still handle that. Cause sometimes for as kids, we take it for granted because they want to give us everything, but they won't say if they really need help or things like that. Mm. It sounds like this guy is doing everything he can. He's paying expenses. He's helping out around the house and doing all those things. Um, so maybe just check in with your mom every now and again and see how she feels. Cause I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Sounds like an all around nice guy. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> blue chicken, seven, 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 uh, we think you're doing a great job and living at home as a 25 year old male is completely fine. So our next question comes in from Reddit user applied koala. And the Ooh. question is, is it weird? I don't have a role model. I do not have a role model either. <laughs> so I don't think it's weird. Me. I agree. I'm the same Lori. I never had a role model. Um, I like and this question made me like kind of think about like you know like why that is and like I I guess I've never thought about that before um but it kind of made me think about how um you know like for example like I've always I'm a scientist and I've always been into science um and I think as a child I always want knew I wanted to be a scientist like I was into marine biology and like biochemistry very strange six-year-old girl into like genetics who I don't know why but anyways but like I don't think that there were like role models at that time at least widely known um women that were scientists um you get like them peppered throughout you know your education like you know uh, Mary Curie and like random other ones but like so this question kind of made me think about that like um, like why I never like 
had a role model for, you know, something like science that I've always loved. But like just in general, I think that like um, it was just maybe a little bit more difficult like to find those types of role models as like a young girl um, growing up. And then like when I got older, like I guess I never really thought about it either. Um, and so that's kind of carried throughout my adult um, into adulthood for me where like it'd be cool to have a role model and like what does that mean um but yeah that's that's what I was thinking when I was like thinking about this question so like I guess to answer it straight out I don't think it's weird that you have a role model but I guess like the context in which you would reason um that you don't might be important to make any further judgment on that but yeah that's what I think so do you think uh, I guess I don't I also don't really feel like I've ever like identified someone as like a role model directly, but I wonder if it becomes more of a subconscious thing. And like, does everybody have role models, even if they don't actively actively realize it? And like, is just saying one role model with everything they bring to the table. Is that the wrong way to look at it? Like, do you have role models in some ways? Like you look at some aspects of them and they're a role model in that aspect. Well, sure. I, wonder- I, I, w- I would say that with that case, um, yeah, I think that you would, um, I think it makes sense that you would have role models that you don't regard as in all aspects in that way, because um, at the end of the day, I think the lesson is that you have to remember whatever role model you do have, whether you have one or whatever, um, I mean, if it's a human being, then that's going to be like a, you know, a, a, a really weird, deeply flawed creature in some ways. Mm. And like, uh, I just feel that, um, part of being human is, is failing like a lot. And, um, you know, if you just hold up an, some person or some figure arbitrarily as the best example of everything, I mean, I think it's pretty, it's not a, it's not a big leap to conclude that that's going to fall short for you in some aspects in your life. Uh, at the end of the day, you have to, you can't really control what those other people or those, you know, those people did. You could only, you can only do what you do. So, um, I feel like you have to take the best of what you can from wherever you can and go with that. So maybe like focusing a role model as a single person and just everything that comes with them maybe isn't such a great idea. I mean, why does it have to be a person, you know? Like, yeah, like well, you could be like an archetype is what like I'm kind of. Yeah, yeah it could be uh, anything. Okay. Like if you can, if you can tell yourself this, like uh, the story about it, because ultimately I think that's what a, the idea of the role model comes down to is like this, you know, this like story of this hero basically. And, you know, f- I think that people are, if it's going to be a person, like, I feel like we just assume that role models should be people, but think about like, uh, you know, think about like as silly or as trite as this might sound, like think about having a, think about the elegance of like a tree. Right. Mm-hmm. And like these beings and these creatures that just endure like such, you know, harsher conditions than we do. And, uh, I just feel like, there's a lot more to, uh, you know, I guess I'm losing my train of thought now. But, <laughs> I think uh, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like you're like saying that like it doesn't need to be a role model doesn't need to be a person. It could be right. an aspect of something that you can take inspiration from. Well, it's like you were saying, I think, model. too, Jessica, yeah. where you were saying like archetypes or like ideas or. Right. I mean, is it still a role model at that point or is it just something that's inspiring? I guess if it's modeling, if you're modeling how you act after it, then yeah. isn't that a role model? I don't know what the I definition guess of a, role model is. I guess model a role model is always a person then, right? I mean, can a dog be a role model? <laughs> I mean, in the sense that it's kind and loyal, maybe like yeah. maybe then you're learning. Like they're just, they, yeah, dogs just will permanently love you if you just give them one thing back and that's your love. And they're just like, they're there for you. I love dogs. I feel like also whoever wrote this, I just want to make sure you know, like you are definitely not weird. The things you like, the things you do, whatever it is, you're not weird. As my little sister, when she was six, told me weird is cool. So 
putting that out there. But um, I love her. I, I, do, <laughs> I do think that there are Lauren's elements just blowing up all her siblings today. <laughs> I am. I have a wealth learn of a lot about this family. <laughs> uh, she is no longer six, but she was very wise for her age. Um, oh, how old is she? I'm not talking about that. <laughs> wow. uh, but anyway, I think that I do try to find people that I like enjoy their energy, follow find inspiration from, um, would like to have like aspire to be some of those elements. And I do, it, I don't think it has to be a person. It could be anything, any, it can be fictional characters. It could be anything that you want, but I do think finding people and surrounding yourself with the type of energy and inspiration you want is a good way to go. Um, and that doesn't mean that you have to have them as a role model, but is some way influencing how you think about things or ways you want to mm -hmm. approach things or actually people that you can call up and say, hey, how would you think about this? Um, but I don't have a role model. I wouldn't put one person in that space. Uh, but I do try to find characteristics that I'd like to surround myself with. I mean, I think that you're kind of I, I strongly disagree. I think that like you if you don't have a role model, you should strongly consider you know, thinking about like how, uh, like the, you know, the vastness of like the achievements of every, everyone else out there. And like, it's not to say that we should measure ourselves against others, but rather that it's just so inspiring what everybody can do. And, um, at the end of the day, I just want to, uh, do my best to try to uplift everybody. Uh, and, uh, I just think that in some ways, like role models and the stories and all that associated with them can be useful. So, you know, I think that it's really, it's fine if you don't have one, I suppose, but I feel like you're really missing out. I do think, though, that um, a lot of times we think that role models are people that we aspire to be just like. And I mm. think that we should be our own people. So I think to mm -hmm. collect things and find my mm -hmm. own flair instead of just picking one person or even a select group of people I want to be just like, I prefer to be... Finding those things and putting a Lori twist on it. Mm, yeah. That and yeah. that is the definition of kitsch. <laughs> <laughs> Colton, do you mm. have a role model? You said you didn't, did you? No. I no, I've never like associated anyone as like a role model. Like I I don't know, it just seems it always seemed weird to say this one person, I guess. And maybe maybe I was wrong the way I was thinking about it. But to me, it always felt like, oh, who's your role model? Like it's one single person and you have to take everything that they are and they're your role model. And I was always like, well, that's weird. Why would I want to do that? I think we should all kill our idols anyways. Okay. No. <laughs> all right. Final answer. Start a punk rock band <laughs> and rebel against you. <laughs> I think that I agree with that. I think that we should, I think one thing that we could all agree upon in this discussion is that at the end of the day, we should be our own role models. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm not going to, so I, just for the record, I'm not agreeing that we should all be our own no. role models. Um, <laughs> not part of that camp. No, no, well, but. Thanks for humoring. But anyways, being not having a role model model is not weird. It's probably wise. Have you seen the world? All right. Applied koala. We agree it's not weird, but we cannot agree on anything else about this. <laughs> All right. Our next question. So this is a bit of a double question. We have two questions that tread on similar ground. So we will consider them both at the same time. So... The first question posted on Reddit by Tertiary T. Does anyone actually care if someone else wears matching socks? How does this even come up in a professional setting? And then the other question posted on Reddit by user Adhesive Child. Why are so many people wearing pants that expose their ankles? <laughs> so I'll start this off. Um, I care if people wear matching socks. <laughs> why do you care? It, it, because why, why is it? I guess. It just like makes me feel sad when people aren't wearing matching socks. But like, why? Because they're not matching. Do you? What do you think about 
the people that don't wear matching I, socks. I think how did you how did you stand doing that? Like if I I couldn't leave my house wearing non-matching socks. But this is I'd uh, have to find matching socks. Colton, are you colorblind? No. Okay. So you can tell if your socks are matching, right? Yeah. Okay, what if somebody can't? <laughs> <laughs> Colton, are you really busy I mean, and do you, I- you know, like, what are you, Colin, do you have, like, five kids? Even, okay. <laughs> oh, I see I'm under attack here. Um, no, even even when I'm, like, way behind, I would have to find matching socks. Like, it would bother me all day if I wasn't wearing matching socks. What's really funny about this, Stamps, is that Colton, like, a lot of times will do, like, the pairing of the socks in our household where he, like, pairs the socks together. And, like, one time I had, like slightly mismatched socks and he's like why are you wearing so i'm i'm super (laughs) glad that you chose this um question anyways he's like why are you wearing um mismatched socks socks i'm like oh i didn't even notice and he's the one that put them together i don't know that's not there's no (laughs) evidence for that that's she could have done that (laughs) anyways so but um, i have a question is it based on like look Colton or is it based on fit because there's definitely different style of socks that one fits different than the other and from a personal Mm -hmm. standpoint physically that might bother me I could care less if they look the same yeah uh yeah definitely if they also were like different fitting socks that would drive me insane if I was wearing (laughs) them oh my gosh you like to have your ducks Um, in a row don't you I don't know. It's like, I'm not like, I guess I'm not like mad at the person for not wearing matching socks, but it would like, it would like make me crazy. I'd be like, why? So if How you can saw, you do that? So if you saw somebody at work with unmatching socks, would yeah. you like not be able to focus because you couldn't stand their unmatching socks like underneath their desk? No, like, it's not that extreme. But if I noticed it, it would be like, like, why? So would you judge them? Um, Probably. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't think, I'm trying to think like what. I would judge them as not having matching socks, but I don't think it would be like a problem. I see. So you wouldn't like judge their character. No, I recognize it as my own like annoyance. I feel like like you would totally judge their character. (laughs) (laughs) I think if a guy came up to you or a girl or somebody came up to you, anybody, and they were trying to like sell you something or something or like trying to whatever and they had mismatching socks you'd be like mm, this person's sketchy i don't know if it was somebody i knew very well i would definitely bring it up though you'd totally call them out i'm gonna totally yeah. wear mismatched socks the next time i see oh you oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> okay so then the second part why yeah. are so many people wearing pants that expose their ankles um, I Who's don't know. Who's wearing pants that don't expose their ankles at some point? Is that, Lori, do you have pants that don't expose your ankles? Yes. Like at all? Like Yeah, my jeans. But like when you sit down, don't your jeans come up a little bit? Um, Not that much. They're skinny jeans. They don't really move much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, But I don't know why the trend is like this i am not a fashionista by any means however sometimes my ankles look cute and i want to show them off so there's that i kind of like ankle pants as a short person sometimes like ankle pants actually fit me like normal pants um wait is this like a different style of pants that are like specifically hemmed up a couple inches higher? Like maybe like an inch or so. Yeah, I guess oh. it it's kind of like yeah. the new capri. Yeah, oh. yeah, because who's no one's gonna wear a capri. Nobody anymore. really wears but capris, pants. but they'll give you a couple extra inches. <laughs> yep, yep. And maybe it's just so they can show off their mismatching socks. Yeah, exactly. See, this is no. this is where we're going. See, with what this. I understand is if everyone's wearing pants that expose their ankles, shouldn't we care more about matching socks? I kind of think that matching socks, I you can do whatever you want. Matching socks, mixed matching socks. But sometimes when I see somebody with mismatching socks, I think that they're probably super creative and have like some cool things going on in their life. And I just wow, want to know their story. E- <laughs> <laughs> it's that easy, huh? That's that how you is a be little creative. bit. You that's a little wear bit. Wear Mitch matching socks. It's a little that's reductive, it. I think, to people yeah. wear mismatched yeah, socks Lori. because I also wear. <laughs> I also. I don't know, you guys. I have a problem. I lose socks like no one's business. <laughs> this is I, accurate. I, I I will agree that like 
there with Colton that like there's no greater <laughs> pleasure than like lining up all of your socks and having all of the matching pairs surrounding you like uh you know <laughs> like lo- like reckoning all the socks and having a perfect amount of pairs i agree there's no greater pleasure there's also no greater shame than not being able to find one matching pair of socks which is something that i do uh, as a scenario i encounter at least once a week i don't understand how it's humanly possible it's not as many it's is it's a it's a sock curse also it's not like like me i have multicolored socks all different kinds of socks like i got a lot of socks but you know when they're mismatched josh has pretty much very similar sets of socks and still can't find a matching pair even though you just need two of them (laughs) i don't get it Some days I just walk around and just hold two socks in my hand and I just say, well, these ones would look pretty close to like ones like a black and ones like a, you know, like a charcoal. And I'm like, well, they would look okay if I wore them. Like if I wore shoes, no one would really notice. But I'll just walk around for like three hours with them and not put them on because I dislike it so much. Yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? Yep. And that's Sunday afternoon. <laughs> so I, I, I think I misjudged this wearing pants that expose ankles. I thought that question was like, you're wearing just normal length jeans, but your ankles are exposed. Also, Colton, people are wearing like joggers that don't go all the way to your ankles. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, yeah. you know, there's like a lot of different mm-hmm. vibes. And I really would love to know where this fashion trend started. But I think it's just the modern Capri. So I'm wearing sweats right now, and they kind of are like you can see my ankles. Does that does that count? I guess so. You're an ankle. You're in a, you're. <laughs> you know, there's also people that wear pants that are like khaki kind of pants, but have the rubber at the bottom, and so it doesn't go rubber. past your ankles too. What do you mean? What do you mean rubber? <sighs> Not rubber, but like stretchy, as if in your oh, like pants. a stirrup. No, like like, a it, like in your jog pants, oh, okay. elastic at the bottom of your pants, so it doesn't go oh, beyond okay. like a yeah. a certain spot. Yeah, those are called clown pants. <laughs> <laughs> like they get like they really big and they like come down to like an elastic thing at the bottom. They're like, like your pants, pants. your legs are mu- your legs are much bigger than your ankles, right? Like your width of your width of like your across your, you know, your femur. I. Wait. I feel like this question has exposed <laughs> how devolved. much I don't know about pants. That's really the problem. Just um, imagine uh, pants with like elastic, <laughs> like like your pants, like like. I've said enough about clown pants. <laughs> it's like hammer pants. Adhesive child, can you, uh, if you hear this, please send us a picture of the pants you're talking about, because I I clearly don't understand. I'd like a exposed ankle starter pack, please. <laughs> <laughs> Does it have mismatched socks as well? That's what I'm looking for. I think people also wear these because they want to show off their shoes more. Mm, mm. You know, I feel like our shoes get hidden a little bit. Mm-hmm. Our next question comes in from Reddit user Fantastic Add nine two one eight. The question is, should I start buying coffee beans and grinding coffee instead of buying pre-ground coffee? Um, So I, Jessica and I um, buy coffee beans and grind them ourselves. What do you guys? I do not. I do not. I just, I just buy the, I just buy whatever they have at grocery outlet. Grocery. (laughs) I do not. I do not drink coffee. Don't hate me, people. (laughs) <laughs> I am a fan of hot chocolate and chai <laughs> and regular tea, but uh, coffee is a no-go for me. Lori, do you drink caffeine daily? Like, do you no. have tea daily or anything? Or you, you just don't have any caffeine in the morning? I no, and I don't know why. I just never really... I feel like it kind of has an opposite effect on me. I don't... It doesn't really tend to, like, make me more awake uh, but I do like a lot of sugar. Don't get me wrong. I am not on the, the clean eating sweep here because I'm not drinking caffeine every day. I will eat my fair share of sugar throughout the day that keeps me awake. Or I just try to get as much sleep as I can. 
Mm. I guess that's a pretty good plan. Um, so Josh, we we've like completely switched over to where we have a burr grinder for our coffee beans and a bird grinder. Bird, <laughs> as in a like a, a like a flying bird. No, no. burr b u r r. Oh, I've never heard of this grinder. Yeah, so it like grinds the coffee at a lower temperature, which is in principle supposed to maintain like the chemicals and the other compounds that are in coffee besides like caffeine to like give you a better flavor and to like preserve it because like the heat from a normal grinder can actually like. Um, damage these delicate compounds um, just through like the heat um, kind of like generated by by friction alone yeah Yeah, so like and then so like a burr grinder will like be more gentle on the coffee beans in a sense and like kind of preserve some of those compounds Um, and it does make a better cup of coffee when we got a better um, coffee grinder switching over to like uh, like I don't know like a cheapo like old one we've had for like years um and it did i mean it ground ground coffee beans fine but like when we switched over to a different type of coffee grinder that was a burr grinder like the flavor of the coffee is much better and you we could do like fancy like pour over shit like and it and it was like worth doing because we had a burr grinder where it like really wasn't it was kind of pointless before that but like yeah there's beyond that though like that's a very specific thing that like coffee people that are just like really into coffee will like tell you to get a burr grinder or like grind it by hand like my um old coworker um would come into the lab and she would grind the coffee beans with this like hand crank and that does even less damage like less frictional heat um than a burr grinder and um and she like was convinced that that's like the best coffee like cup of coffee and to be fair she did make the best pot of coffee in the lab um but even beyond like a burr grinder if you start grinding your own beans even with like entry level type of coffee grinder you're still gonna have a better like coffee experience because like what happens i'm just gonna tell you the science of this real quick um as quick as i can um you end up like um preserving the coffee oils that are in the beans naturally if you like grind at the time that you're actually gonna like make your pot of coffee so there's a lot of volatile like organic compounds like don't be scared they're they're like not bad for you but like um because we all know that chemicals are scary but like um they're really not but like anyways like grinding at the time that you're going to use them kind of preserves these different types of compounds and it keeps them from oxidizing or going rancid and so you just get more of these beneficial compounds in the coffee if you do it fresh um as opposed to just buying like pre-ground coffee so you get more coffee oils that has things like diterpenes and other like um, antioxidants. And um, there's a whole lot of different compounds that are kind of interesting and like beneficial to your health in coffee. So if you're interested in that, look it up. I but, trust um, the chemist. <laughs> but um, it'll give you a better flavor and then kind of preserve some of those um, additional compounds in your coffee beans. Um, and in my opinion, that is a win-win. Um, yeah, so... Grind your coffee beans fresh if you can. I have a question. Is it more economical to buy ground coffee over beans or vice versa? It's not. It's not cheaper. Getting into fancy coffee doesn't end up being cheaper. (laughs) So you have to compare apples to apples, I guess. Right. If we were talking um, Folgers here. Pre-ground versus the beans. <laughs> Folgers beans, do they sell So then, beans? yes. So then, yes, like, Folgers is cheaper than, like, a, you know, like, rare, like, single origin, like, shade-grown coffee from, like, I don't know where the fuck they grow coffee. Like, where is it? Costa Rica and, like... Um, Java? Ethiopia. Columbia? Ethiopia. Sumatra. Yeah, and, like, other... Oh, yeah. Anyways, so, like, yeah, it just depends. I think it is probably cheaper to buy pre-ground coffee in most cases but you'd have to like compare apples to apples yeah it's kind of a thing where in my experience with it like if you're it is the best coffee for sure like if you get some fancy grinder and you pour over like that's gonna be the best coffee but it's not gonna be like oh, I don't like coffee, but I had this kind of, now I do like it. Like, it's still coffee. Like, it's not that, 
but it is like the optimal level of experience. Like it's going to give you the best coffee. And it's it from what I've seen, it's not cheaper to go that route because burr grinders are expensive. And then generally, if you're getting, then you're going to be getting beans that are probably more expensive. But, you know, if you really like coffee, then yeah, I would say it's worth getting, starting to grind your own beans. And I think if you're going to get a grinder, you should probably get a burr grinder. Um, yeah. I've used the other one too. And I, the burr grinder is much better. Yeah. And people really geek out about this. I feel like I only know like, a small amount of this whole story. So if you ask a barista at your local fancy coffee shop, they're going to be able to tell you a whole lot more. And there's um, a lot more intricacy to it than we're probably like yeah. discussing, kind of glossing over a few things. Unfortunately, like, I can't remember the names right now, but there's a few guys on YouTube that go extensively into different coffee things. And it's pretty interesting. All I can say is if you ever come out to San Francisco, whoever is listening and want a cup of coffee from our house, you are not getting that experience. So <laughs> it is not that quality. We're going down to the coffee shop at the corner. All right. Thanks for your question, Fantastic Ad 9218. And uh, we'll be back after this short break. All right, and welcome back. Our next question comes in from Reddit user Ren Yi Yi Yi. Wrong. Our next question comes from Reddit user Ren Ri Yi Yi. <laughs> question. Normal to feel ugly after a haircut? Yeah, it's definitely normal to feel ugly after a haircut. I have had many a bad haircut in my day. <laughs> yep. This is what you get for paying very little money for a haircut. <laughs> And um, letting all the students cut your hair at those little like Aveda institutes or whatever. I don't even know if that's a thing. Aveda? Aveda. Yeah, that's no, a thing. The Aveda. <laughs> totally hair. a thing. Yeah. Wow. I've definitely done that as well. I have once had somebody pull my hair back in a ponytail and just go chop. And for those listening, I don't have like straight hair. I have very curly hair, which you should mm. never just pull back and chop off. And the whole time they were just telling me how this is the first time they've ever cut hair like mine. And I was just, my eyes were getting bigger and bigger <laughs> oh and God. bigger. Oh no. Um, so yes, it is normal for me to feel not so hot after a haircut. It all grows back though. It's okay. I have had both uh, like extremes where I've paid like nothing, like gone to like, the Aveda Institutes and like had like students cut my hair. I also have very curly hair. Lori and I have similar hair. I think that like cutting textured hair is just like all it's always a source of potential like tragedy because I've also like so I've gone to like the schools to get my hair cut by like students but I've also paid like a lot of money for haircuts and like left I have a hundred percent left salons crying because they, they just don't get it yep. I used to have to like straighten my hair like you know like every few days being a to, to be able to like wear the haircut like because they just didn't understand curly hair and I think a lot of people deal with this because there's just not enough representation in um for like different textures I think in the education process I, I don't really know a hundred percent like why this is why it's so difficult for stylists to like get a, the hang of cutting curly hair but like I can't tell you how many times I've like literally cried in my car because of a bad haircut like at all at the you know $20 level and at the $120 level like it is just like unacceptable um I've had crazy experiences where like I like had like blue streaks in my hair at one time and I like um you know like went to a salon and I was like oh I want you to like move it and like do all these things and I like was in the salon for like six hours and my hair wasn't lightning and like she's like oh we can't do blue but we have to do red and I was like no that's not happening and so I 
left the hair or I left the salon with like foils in my hair, drove back to my apartment and like got my own blue dye. And I like drove back to the salon 25 minutes each way. And I'm like, here you go. Put it in my hair. She ruined my hair. It was like down to my waist. And then I had to like cut it off like to my chin because it was like so fried. So, um, so yes, (laughs) sometimes it's okay. I mean, it's not okay. It is not, it shouldn't be normal to feel ugly after a a haircut. Like not, the stylist did not do you good. Like, not a good, and that's their fault. Like, that is not your fault. Um, well, I guess, I guess you could make the argument. Like, if you asked for like a bad haircut and they gave it to you and you felt bad about it, <laughs> maybe yes. it's your fault. I was always just so socially anxious getting my haircut forever that I would just never say what I wanted. And I would just like <laughs> sit down in the chair and I'd be like, hello, yes, please, I just want it cut, please. And, <laughs> and then they would cut it and they gave me a nice haircut. But it was, you know, I I would regularly, it's yeah, it, for me, yeah, it's it's uh, it's hard to find. It can be hard to find, you know, because it's it's a mix of all of that, right? And like also communicating what you want too, which is hard to know too sometimes. Yeah, like I don't cut hair. I don't. I just I want it to look right. cool. Right. <laughs> you can look at pictures. I do not like the fact that. Sometimes for me, I will go get my hair cut, they'll style it, and it'll look okay. And then I get home and I mm-hmm. wash my hair, and then I'm like, oh my gosh, they did me dirty. <laughs> like, this is horrible. <laughs> like, there's also sometimes a delay in it, and you're like, oh, I look fresh. And then you're like, no, not so fresh anymore. Mm. Lori, I have the complete opposite. Like, when I get my hair cut, it's how, like, Because to me, this question was like normal to feel ugly after a haircut. And for me, always the first like 24 to 48 hours after I get a haircut, it feels weird to me. I'm like, I don't I don't know how I feel about this because it's like different. And I look in the mirror. I'm like, I don't trust this. Don't trust this haircut at all. And so for me, I I don't have any, you know, horror stories like you guys do. But um, it's always like that first one to two day period where I'm really like, oh, I don't like it. Then like three to four days, I'm like, oh, I like this haircut. And I come around to it and it's great. But Yes. So yeah. in short, you'll get used to it. <laughs> also in short, it grows back, as Lori said. Also in um, short, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> also, don't, if you hate your haircut, like just don't like, if it like truly makes you look ugly, like, tell them like go back to the salon like and like the disaster that i yelp do. reviews <laughs> oh Make, yeah dude review it don't let other people fall into the trap the online exactly. review is definitely the more passive aggressive one of the two <laughs> options the other one is the more of the aggressive option but don't you feel like i mean once it's done don't you just feel like well they can't just i'm not going back. It back on <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but like you can ask for another that's stylist, true. and that's what happened to me. Is that like my? It was so messed up that I just like went back and like the owner of the salon was like, "I got you," and she just like she fixed the huge mess. She gave me like a refund plus like ten percent. Like she was like so nice to me and like apologizing profusely. It didn't change the fact that I like lost all my hair, but like. It goes, uh, they want, like, I think in general, a place, like, will want you to feel good when you leave to get, or when you leave after you get your hair cut. So, like, be assertive and, like, you should kind of, like, be looking for that, too. And I feel like you deserve it. So, like. If you're going to, like, a salon, I mean, at some point, they have to, like, gain some kind of client base to succeed in cutting hair, correct? Yeah. Sure. Am Am I wrong? I don't know. I'm. Yes, but like, there's a lot of people that need their haircut, so yeah. you could just be a bad stylist a lot of people. <laughs> forever. <laughs> but I do, I do I mean, think that's all uh, really important because I don't know if I would have the courage to go back and be like, I don't like my hair. But if they really messed your hair up, like, like I, I, I have gone. I went to a haircutting place. It was probably one of those great clips or something when I was in like high school. They cut only half of my hair i went back home and i had to finish cutting parts of my hair because i was like why are there long pieces still and i never went back and complained i was just like cut you out of my life we're done with you wow (laughs) okay so 
I need the courage you have, Jessica, to go back and be like, (laughs) you did not do this well. Please. But then I know that they have the scissors again. They do, but like you can have somebody else. I will march back into any salon with you, Lori, and I will like <laughs> well, make great sure it's good. I, I just don't recommend for don't long go hair. To, for I or for curly hair <laughs> or for not children or or short haired people that don't care. <laughs> oh my gosh. Buzzer number nine or whatever you use. I mm. want to know if there's like any great clips like anywhere. We're like dragging them pretty bad, but like, is there like? like a gem of a great clip somewhere There's like i want to know right? if like rising stars you know, gotta like, start somewhere yeah i want to know like if there's like somebody that's like a stylist at a great clips it's like just doing Killing the most it. yeah i want i just want to say that i've had a variety of stylists at a ver- great variety of great clips pun intended and <gasps> uh over the years and uh let me just tell you there are some really amazing stylists working for that organization. And I don't think we need to. Uh, and so I think it totally depends on. Yeah. The stylist. I every, get what. Yeah. You know, like, I'm sorry. The, I interrupted. Oh no. I was just saying like, it is hard to find that right. Uh, fit, but even, even at like the big, these like big mega chains where people get their haircut all mass. It's like, uh, there's a great variety of like people working there too, you know. Do you guys think having a terrible, awkward um, haircut from Great Clips when you're in middle school is like a rite of passage? I my 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 worst haircut was when I was from my uh, my my mom's friend, mm. <laughs> and the, mm. in, in the basement, and she had I I. I uh, let me just put it this way. When I finished up, when I finished that haircut, I went up to look at myself in the mirror. And have, do you ever, have you ever seen like a baby bird that's born with like, not no feathers, but like just a couple little like down feathers on top of their head, like a ba- like a newborn baby bird. That's what my hair looked like. It was cut in so many different ways. And there was so little of it that I was like, I, I, I could not do anything, but just bust out into laughter that it was like the, it was like the worst haircut ever. And that so was my worst experience. So compared to the to that in the moment, I just like went and, and like uh, went to see my brother, and just he looked at me, and we just busted out laughing. Like he just like I just walked in there. I just like silently looked in the mirror, and I was like, "Holy shit, what the hell?" I was I was like, "This lady is never cutting my hair again, ever." I was like, "I am only I am only in eighth grade, but I will I will put my foot down for this." This points out like a a wild difference between like your reaction and then Jessica and Lori's reaction. <laughs> yeah, c- tears, crying hysterically, days. Um, growing <laughs> up, like growing up, I always hated my haircut because my dad always wanted me to have short hair, and when I was like a teenager, I wanted to be like an emo rock star, and I wanted long hair. Mm. So it was like this constant thing where my dad always wanted me to get my hair cut. And I wanted to just grow it out longer, so it was always somewhere in between. And it was, but you did have awkward hair. I've seen the photos yeah, of you as a child. That, we've moved past that. <laughs> I do think awkward hair is a rite of passage wherever it happens or however you cut it. Yeah. It is. Yes. Yeah. Nobody actually looks that. good back. Like <laughs> it. Well, hair, hair is very up. hair is very liminal, right? Hair is like I don't very know about transitional. That anymore. I think that like kids today, like the kids today, they, they all, all like look, good. look like Instagram ready. They're that I'm just like, true. how did you have this grace at twelve? My God, it took me an extra ten years to get even half of that. Don't worry, so, there I is think... somebody in a salon somewhere that's gonna bring their like their confidence down just a tad. It's it's going to be a rite of passage in in some form or fashion. I think that their day shall come. <laughs> hopefully we're not as bad as what we have experienced i just hope it gets better for everyone <laughs> i need to learn how to explain what i want that's what i need yeah 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 you need to bring pictures is what you need to do always go with pictures i have a hard time finding pictures that represent my hair either the hair True. is more curly or less curly or like or fake curls yeah i don't know let's talk jessica (laughs) we'll talk i got i got you 
Don't worry. I've, I think I may have cracked the code with this, but it's very difficult and it's very frustrating. And if there's stylists out there listening, please do better with curly hair. Or, or send you. us how Thank we you. should talk about it. That would be helpful. Tell, yeah, yeah. Educate us. Tune in for our bonus episode on curly hair care and maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of our Reddit questions. And uh, next we have the debut of a segment dedicated to questions from our listeners. If you have questions to pose, send them to nostupidanswerspodcast at gmail.com. And our first question comes in from Asher Masher one And it's kind of a two-pronged question. So the first part asks, when you go out to a restaurant, do you stack your plates at the end of your meal? And do you ever send food? And the second question is then, do you ever send food, food back? And if you were to send the food back or if you were to not send the food back would it be because you dislike confrontation that you feel bad sending it back or you're afraid that they will fuck up your food when you send it back and the example they give is the movie waiting <laughs> um so do you do any of you not stack your plates or you know at the end of a meal i always stack my plates um it helps out the uh, staff who's cleaning up the you know people who are cleaning up the plates and it's the least you can do. Yeah, it's habit for me to to definitely yep, stack same. my plates. Okay, so we all agree that we all we all basically stack our plates uh-huh. at the end of the meal. Yeah, yep. I do as well. Um, so then my second question is: Do you ever send food back? And is this common for you to send food back, or or do you not send food back? Pretty typically like rarely how often i think i have sent food back on like a handful of times max i don't even know if more Mm -hmm. than a couple times i Mm -hmm. think it's the more of the confrontation issue than anything um i definitely grew up in like a hospitality household so we were all worked in restaurants, kitchens. I went to school for it. Like these are things that are embedded into the ways that I do things. And I think a lot of times I feel like the craziness of a kitchen or a, of like all that's going on can get the best of a customer and they can like get really angry that they don't get the things that they want. So if you do send things back, just be kind. And understand that mm-hmm, it's a mistake. Mm-hmm. And if you're kind and when you're sending it back, they'll be kind and giving it back, I believe. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think generally, um, if I've ever sent food back, I, I also rarely send food back. I I think mostly the only times I've sent food back has been like if it's like some kind of like red meat where it's kind of undercooked. I prefer things to be like at least medium. So if it's like rare, I'm kind of like, oh, can you cook this a little longer? But outside of that, I I, I feel like I try to be reasonable about it. Um, so a restaurant I go to frequently, I order Cajun fries. But there's been times before they've brought me out like other kinds of fries. But I like the other kinds of fries they have. So like I ordered Cajun fries and I got garlic fries. And I was like, all right. And I just ate garlic fries because I liked them. And I guess I could have sent those back. I did order Cajun fries, but I I didn't like care in that sense. I guess if it was like if they were serving me eggplant mushroom fries, I might have sent those back. But if it's something I like and I'm like, okay, this is fine. I'm good. So I try to be kind of reasonable about it. Um, But I, I think I may have a little bit of the fear, like in some cases that they might fuck up my food. I guess if I was making an unreasonable request. I will say that if you get something that's cold and should be hot, Mm -hmm. I have gotten some bad food poisoning um, because I did not complain about some soup or something. And if, if it is supposed to be cold and it's or other way around, if it's supposed to be hot and it's cold, that might be a good reason to send it back. Um, and if you're concerned about what they're doing it to it, maybe just pick something else. But I will say there are a lot of, um, food safety rules. If they go outside of the food safety rules, certain temperatures, things like that, then Mm -hmm. you are warranted to send it back because that could just end in a bad situation. 
Yeah, I always take my um your thermometer temperature checker when I go out to eat. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. can just tell if soup is cold. This is not supposed to be. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I, I can touch something with my finger, and I'm accurate within five degrees, yeah. pretty much every time. <laughs> well, I think it's going to vary a lot depending on the exact you know kind of restaurant you're at, the nature of it, um, because restaurants and the etiquette associated with eating at them and what is considered acceptable is going to vary, you know, hugely. Um, you know, for example, I mean, what if you got like, what about like a food truck? Like, would you send something back to a food truck? Like, I'm not so, I'm not so sure that, uh, you know, I feel like in some cases you might just be like, well, I guess this is kind of what I expected from the food that I'm ordering. And so I think that, um, whether you send food back at a restaurant or not, ultimately, uh, I think you have to think about why you're doing it. And I think that like food safety issues, I mean, yeah, if you're just going to throw it out, then there's no reason to, you know, for you to keep it, just give it back. Um, but, uh, in, 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 in every case, uh, amazing restaurants all around the entire world, uh, have many very chefs of varied skills and talents and they will help you get some good food. That's a good point. Etiquette did, is a very important. Did you read important. that off an article? What was that? I'm just expressing love for the food service industry as a whole. <laughs> just be kind to them. That's really all. Exactly. That yeah. Exactly. Just, just be nice. Be not you. It's like yeah. If you're if if you're if people are serving you food, like be kind and you know smile and polite. Be polite and things will go well. Yeah. Mistakes happen, right? So like that's true. If it's if it's not perfect, it's not the end of the world. But if it's like there's like a hierarchy of like escalating problems, like Colton's example is at the low end where it's like, is this a, a mistake I can live with? And the answer is yes, I can get a different type of fry. Yeah, I love potatoes. <laughs> yeah. And then the other end of that, which is like food safety thing you know like definitely you have to say something right i've only like a handful of times sent food back and it's usually like if it's like really wrong it has to be like really wrong and then i'm not usually afraid that they're gonna mess with it but like i have had things like be like completely different than what i've ordered like just like the wrong dish come out mm-hmm. and like things like that and like I think that you just need to be nice just like Lori said like and i've always felt like they're gonna fix it question and be cool about it so would you mm-hmm. send it back if you found a hair in your food and i know josh is gonna hate that i asked this question <laughs> <laughs> no i'd probably question if it was mine and be like oh, I, I usually do the same yeah so that's like i agree like first first um question is is it mine if it's not if it's clearly not then there is like a gross factor and i think that like i'd send it back if it was it just depends on the context if it's like i don't know like pizza at like two o'clock in the morning and i've like i don't know yeah if it's just like if there's like a long hair there and i grab it and pull it off i probably don't care i'm like that's fine if it's like yeah not even at just any time like i don't think it really bothers me it's, it can bother me in some situations. It's really contextual. Yeah. But like, um, it definitely bothers yeah. Josh. <laughs> I only know that because I have a lot of hair. <laughs> and when I cook, I can't guarantee anything. Josh, have you ever got, have you ever sent food back that had a hair in it? Uh, I, I don't think I've had the displeasure, but I have, um, at what, while at a restaurant perhaps, but, um, Definitely, you know, have had have found the stray hair in food, and I don't care where it came from or whose it was. I'm done. Like I'm not eating anymore. Like I, I <laughs> he walks I need to away. Stop. I need to stop for a couple <laughs> minutes, and like I'm just not. And it's very, it's very. Um, I understand that it's very uh, dramatic and it's unnecessary, and it's fine. It's just a hair, but I just, I, I just cannot abide it. Is it like a visceral reaction that you like can't help? Yes. It's just like, it's just like immediate. I'm just like, I mean, I'm sure I, I'm sure that I could, I could surely practice this. I could do some exposure therapy to hair and food and I would get okay with it at a certain (laughs) point, but I refuse to expose myself to that. I don't know if you need to. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You probably eat a bunch of hairs on accident just every year without even knowing it. I know that. And I know, I know. And I said that also makes me shudder to think. Do you think you eat more hairs every year or more spiders every year inadvertently? 
Is it there like I some... definitely weigh more hair. <laughs> <laughs> What's the statistic about like accidentally eating insects in your sleep? What is that? Isn't that like seventeen spiders? Because uh, obviously we know like... that. <laughs> is that is that like confirm? Is that that's just a legend, right? I don't know. I'm assuming I've heard so. that. Uh, I, you've heard it, but like <laughs> somebody's got to be watching that person for a whole year. Mm-hmm. Oh, somebody please send an email explaining to us how many spiders we actually eat every year in our sleep. Or maybe just in a lifetime. Maybe yeah. it's like measured over Some a lifetime. Number. Yeah. <laughs> well, to sum up this answer here, um, we all stack our plates at the end of your meal and you should, you know, clean up your table a little bit, make it look nice. And if you're going to send food back, be reasonable about it and just be nice to the people that work at restaurants and serve food to you. Um, so that does it for all the questions we have this week. Uh, thanks everyone for being here. And, uh, if you have any thoughts or questions, send them to our email. No stupid answers podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we now have a Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at Nosa underscore podcast. That's N O S A underscore podcast. You can subscribe to us everywhere you get your podcast. And uh, we'll see you next time.